Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Hello, everyone. It is Jamie Jill Wright here at Madlet Musings Podcast. And today we have a very special guest. Of course, every guest is special, but this one's special as well because she is a Bethany House sister. I like to call them when they're my writing cohorts from the same publishing house. I have Regina Jennings with us. Hi, Regina. Hey. <laughs> that might be the longest introduction I've ever given someone. <laughs> You're like, stop talking. Let me talk. Not at all. <laughs> I might flip the tables. Let me just start interviewing you. That might be more, more to my taste, at least. <laughs> I don't know that anyone's going to want to hear anything I have to say, especially today. I'm only on my second cup of coffee. So this conversation is only going to go so well. <laughs> oh, fun. So you are in Oklahoma right now, which is your home state, right? That's right. Are we suffering from the winter cold or do you guys still have a little element of warmth there? We, it came in last night. We had like mid sixties yesterday and we hit the twenties today. So yeah, yeah, it's here. It's here. (laughs) It's coming. And you guys always, I'm in Wisconsin. So whenever I get lots of snow, I usually know you're getting a lot of ice, which I would rather have Mm -hmm. my scenario than yours because ice is really bad. It is really bad. And Oklahoma drivers don't know how to handle it. And I include myself. I'm not, you know, putting myself above my fellow states people here, but we're not used to it. So when it hits, it's bad. You yeah. don't want to be out there. I'm not sure you can get used to ice though. Cause even here in Wisconsin, I mean, we're really used we'll plow through eight inches of snow, no problem. But if you throw uh-huh. ice, there's just no control. Yeah. Ice. You just can't get a grip literally. And and we don't have like the salt trucks or enough of them, you know, to mm-hmm, handle it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess yeah. we do have that one up on you. We do try and get ahead of some it, of it, but <laughs> it's a bad. It's well, a bad. you didn't come here to talk about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> you came here to talk about your new release, which is Engaging Deception, which is book three in the Joplin Chronicles, right? That's right. That's right. Awesome. awesome. So, tell us a little bit about. Joplin Chronicles as a whole, and then book three, which you said earlier to me was a standalone. So we don't have to read books one and two, but kind of give us the overview if you don't mind. You bet. So, you know, when I look at series, a lot of times they, um, I love the family series where you have the bro- brothers and every book's about a brother or sibling or whatever, but those siblings, they all grew up in the same house. They have a lot of things in common. They come from the same background, even though we know siblings have very different personalities, they have the same raising. And right. so I wanted to do a series that was cousins because you have a basic um they have the same traditions they have a shared history together growing you know going to grandma's in the summer and things like that but they're from very different backgrounds one of them's a city and cousin that is well off and one of them grew up taking care of the farm and one of them moved to the city but they're not well off and they struggle and so they they have these different backgrounds but they have that same love for each other and and they're going to cooperate in kind of this um, 
oh, what do you say? Almost a gang man mentality. Like they are there for <laughs> each other. And they're rottery. Yeah. 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 And they, they're all ornery, of course, because that's how I love to write my characters. So I really would have named this the Kentworth Cousins, but um, I know, wouldn't that have been? I love that. that yeah. Would have been but great. there was set around Joplin and sometimes having the locality mentioned yeah. instead of some random name gives it a little more draw. So yeah. that's how it became the Joplin Chronicles. So um, each of the girls in the three, well, and there's also a novella too, so four stories, but okay. each of them are one of the cousins and you get to see a lot of the same characters and yet each story is a standalone. Oh, I love it. I love it. And okay, so I'm looking on your website right now and Courting Misfortune is book one and is she, she's a Pinkerton operative? Yes. Okay. And then we have Proposing Mischief, which she, she I think she's after my own heart because she's got a pickaxe on the front. This girl <laughs> is, is the, like. She's the second cover I've had with a pickaxe, a girl with a pickaxe. So we just continue. <laughs> we've discussed, you know, if I'm the queen of pickaxe romance, if that could be a title. I like that. Isn't that great? I do. I do. So she is a rancher, basically. Well, so she. Kinda discovers a crystal cave on her ranch and so there actually is a crystal cavern beneath Joplin's downtown that they did tours in for many years until the water level rose and made it inaccessible so yeah so she discovers it on a man's you know he's getting ready to close the mine down and she discovers this and her granny manages to get her on the board because um you know it's under yeah. their farm so anyway I love, it. A... I love it and then engaging deception which is the one that just comes out she looks like she's into architecture she's got yes. blueprints, right yeah she is she's ah, I love it. and she's a nanny <laughs> I'm sorry I'm just reading the back cover I'm like yes okay so Olive we got through this series and Olive's mother has TB which was very okay. common back then yes, and so was. while all these um, cousins and sisters are off having their adventures all of his home taking care of her her mother okay and so before book three starts her mother passes away I guess that's a spoiler alert for books one and two but you know it's all right sometimes you need those to prepare yourself emotionally for grief so you're good right <laughs> right so when book three starts Olive's mother has passed away but Olive is still stuck she's not ready to go out and and find her adventure she's finding excuses to stay home. Her father's concerned about her, like, okay, you know, you've given up your childhood. You've given up a lot of your young adult yeah. years. Now it's time to go. And, and while she was home taking care of her mother, she studied architecture. She read all the books. She, you know, did everything she could from her bedside. And actually she did make the sketches and construct a couple of buildings for family members or contacts, but she always did it under her cousin Amos's uh, he was kind of the uh, head, the front man for her. So yeah. everyone thought it was him doing it and she could use him to do that. Sure. So, so now that the excuse of staying home with mom is gone, um, she's really frozen. She doesn't want to take on the responsibility. She doesn't want the attention that scares her to step into that role since she's mm-hmm. untrained, you know? Yeah. And so that's what the book's out. So she takes instead, because the family's pushing her like, you need to get out. You need to, yeah. God gave you this gift. You need to use it. 
So instead she takes her job as a nanny trying to kind of like a Jonah, you know, like, okay, yeah. God wants me to go here. I'm going to go this way. Yeah. So she takes the job as a nanny and just like Jonah, she's in the belly of the well because she's being the nanny for um, Joplin's leading architect, Maxfield Scott, who's a widower and she's watching his kids. And she did not intend to end up in the home of one of her, you know, big idols of architecture, right. but right. there she is. And of course, he's drooling has, there. Oh. <laughs> she has no idea or he has no idea that she has this secret uh, desire and yeah. gift and she is terrified of him finding out but then she sees his library and all the books that she can learn from there and you know this great resource that she's not had access to before so if she keeps the nanny job she can learn even more and in fact starts a um comp competing project with him that he doesn't know about oh i love it okay we're going to end the podcast here so i can go read <laughs> <laughs> goodbye everyone it's been great this, chatting with you <laughs> all of this um he's seeing this well she's remodeling one of his works Okay. one of his houses so he's not happy about that but he doesn't know it's her he thinks it's her cousin which was the most fun because her cousin Amos is I'm he's kind of modeled after Jethro Bodine okay mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> that's perfect so just imagine you know he's yeah. all bluster and blow and doesn't know a thing about architecture and is pretending like he is remodeling a Maxfield Scott home and there's a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. There. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. And you know, it's kind of interesting too, because there was so much architecture. Or I can't say the word architecture. Yeah. To be fair, I had to learn to spell it for this. Well, yeah, you poor thing. I'm not going to spell it. That's for sure. <laughs> but there was so much new architecture in this time period mm -hmm. in, in the Americas. And I don't think a lot of us really focus on, I mean, you don't see as much about the actual behind the scenes of how all these great, beautiful old buildings were constructed. So it's kind of cool that you brought in that element of behind the scenes. I like that. Right. I know we just call everything Victorian. Right. Like, oh, it's Victorian. It's like, no, it's Queen Anne. It's Second Empire. It's so I had to learn all this stuff, which meant I got to buy some beautiful coffee table books of old houses. Any <laughs> reason, any reason to justify research. I love that. That's <laughs> right. I mean, what a fun research project. Old yes. homes. Beautiful yes. old homes. Well, when you said it, it gave me a reason to buy, and then you have this dramatic pause, and I'm like, she bought old homes. <laughs> But no, you bought coffee table books. I guess that's more realistic than purchasing a bunch yeah, of only Victorian architecture. Not that, there, there aren't old homes in my part of Oklahoma because we aren't settled until, you know, 1889. Oh, sure, so. sure. Well, you'll have to come visit me here in Wisconsin because this weekend they're actually having the, the Christmas tour of old homes. And they're all the Victorian homes in our, I should say all of them, but select Victorian homes within our town where they literally deck them out in full on antique victorian regalia and christmas decor it's just absolutely gorgeous i love that yes so I fly up here really fast and we'll okay <laughs> so when you wrote this book obviously there's a lot of story that takes place and history and personality and all of that what type of um 
other things were you hoping readers would get out of the story itself from like a spiritual perspective or just deeper themes? Well, I think the obvious theme is about all of being stuck, you know, of, of that um, imposter syndrome, I think mm. that hits all of us. Um, and I think women are especially susceptible to it, especially if we stayed home with our families or mm -hmm. didn't pursue higher education or a career write-off, you know, and then you come back to the workforce and you think, well, I don't have anything to offer or I'm not a real, for me, a real writer or a real, you know, right. I think yeah. We, yeah. I think we can get caught in that. And, um, and so, and of course, you know, there's a time and place for everything. Sometimes it is the right time to make sacrifices and, and to set those things aside and to take care of your family. Like that's mm -hmm. obviously priority. But I think we can be tempted to use that as an excuse to do what against what God gave us to do. Like, mm. that's my excuse. I'm going to hide here. I'm going to sacrifice. That makes me feel better when really yeah. we're hiding from the responsibility, maybe, mm. or the position God wants us in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love how you kind of compared it to, to Jonah, which I'm not saying that the book is necessarily an allegory or anything, right. but the concept of when God asks us to use the gifts and talents that he's given us and then we run from that mm -hmm. and we are convinced we can't use it. And I've always loved to draw a parallel in my mind that so often when he asks us to use the gifts he's given us, he hasn't given us self-confidence mm -hmm. because he wants God confidence because that's right. the concept of when I'm weak, then I'm strong because God gives me that mm -hmm. strength. And I find so often the things that we are really good at, we don't have that self-confidence and that's when God can use us the best. Absolutely. That's a good point. So yeah. that's my deep thought with two cups of coffee. From that's here on, awesome. From here on, you have to take the podcast. <laughs> I've got nothing else for you. But it's funny you mentioned the mm -hmm. imposter syndrome because it goes two ways. So like you mentioned women who have been staying at home and then they go out in the workforce. And I'm kind of like an opposite of that. Like I spent mm -hmm. so much of my adult life in a corporate career. And then when God shifted my path to come home as a mom and yeah, I'm working at home, but that mothering right. element, I felt like an imposter as a mom. Like I do not know how to do this. Right, right. You know, and I think, and I, you know, I, I think I, my daughter was, excuse me, my daughter was born, my first daughter probably when I was 23 or so. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it hit me then, you know, like it just, yeah. anytime we get ready to start something new, there's going to be that feeling. And, and it's, I think that's a natural, like you said, that's a good thing when you realize what you don't know, mm -hmm. that you can't just do it all on your own. So but, how do you think, how do you think faith works into overcoming, because you can have a lack of self-confidence, but then the faith that God's going to carry you, but then you can have that immobilizing lack of confidence, like Jonah or like potentially Olive in the story where mm -hmm. you literally don't move in the direction God wants you to go. So how do you, how do you get over that hump? Well, and how do you know for sure that's what God wants you to do? Oh, that's, that's the big question. That's the hard one too, because, you know, if you, you can always make those excuses. No, God wants me to do this. I think uh, for one thing, just having the faith that God rewards 
our desire to please him mm. for one thing. Mm -hmm. So if that's truly our desire, I don't, you know, he gives us the grace to maybe not understand it first, but as we start out and as we go, and as yeah. we keep praying and keep searching his word and keep asking, then we find, you know, you can, you can be more certain as you go mm -hmm. that you're on the right path or that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a scary thing too, but it's that concept too, of allowing God to close doors. If you're not supposed to go in a direction and that mm -hmm. can often be a verification that you are moving when those doors don't close. Right. But <laughs> um, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to ask you, because we're talking about this concept of imposter syndrome and each character in your Joplin Chronicles has kind of a, a job that would have not been typical of a female. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that when we come back. Sounds great. Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. All right, we are back at Madlet Musings with Regina Jennings, and we are talking about Engaging Deception, which is coming out this month, and it's book three in the Joplin Chronicles. We've been talking about imposter syndrome and stepping out in faith or running away in fear. And the other thing I noticed with all three books, like I said just before the break, is they all three women have very unique careers that are not typical of the time period for women. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, the first, the novella Intrigue a la Mode is, um, she is a Harvey girl uh -huh. and I know. And so um, she's, that's Willow, Olive's sister, which they're named after trees. You know, you have these like Love it. family tree cousins. So you need, so I was like, okay, so our farm family is Finn and Amos and Maisie. And, you know, like I had yes. to have somebody yes. where I immediately, or readers could immediately know what family they went to. That's so smart. anyway. Um, Willow, um, she probably fit in better because that was more of a feminine job, you know, that was populated by women. Now, not initially, not until Fred Harvey changed that and made right. Harvey girls to serve as waitresses. So that one, I give a pass on. Courting misfortune, however, uh, that's Callista, and she is a society lady, and she has been um she went off to finishing school and ran away and became a Pinkerton detective which she's on a uh trial basis but they're covering for her so they're providing undercover um the letters back to her family to act like she's okay. still at finishing school and oh got it yeah <laughs> so she's devious I like her yeah she is <laughs> and she is the epitome of confidence like she thinks she can rule the world and there's so she's going out, she's going to solve these cases. She's going to do this and that. She can jump into these situations undercover and takes on too much, actually, puts herself in dangerous situations. 
Um, but she hits that spot where you realize in her case, she had to learn some humility mm-hmm. and learn to um, rely on others and to rely on God and that she's not capable of just solving this all on her own and pushing through. Right. So, and then the second full length book, Proposing Mischief, um, this one is where farm girl Maisie has been, she has a bow that is troublesome. He's an expo. She's oh, done. Okay. Right. And he's been harassing her and her brother and her cousin have had um, confrontations with him and they're getting ready to get put in jail if they do it again. So she's stuck at home. Okay. Like they won't let her leave the farm because if this guy comes around, it's going to cause a feud, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, she discovers this crystal cavern deep. She's trespassing in a mine, discovers a crystal cavern, which really does exist beneath Joplin. There is a crystal it's maybe the world's largest geode that you, they had dances in. They would put dance floors down, have dances in it. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Except for it filled up with water right after, right around World War II, the water table rose and no one's been down there since. Okay. Heartbreaking. So anyway, but Maisie's a farm girl and the mine owner Boone, he's, uh, I wrote him almost to be on the spectrum. Like okay. he's, he is not really comfortable sharing his feelings he's very smart he loves the um work of the geologist he loves all this but he kind of wishes the whole court of woman marry and move on with your life was behind him like he didn't have to worry mm, about that got it so he, and so macy's stuck in this situation with a guy that's falling around and her family's in danger of getting in trouble over it and so they end up having arranged marriage because she found this cave. It's on her land, but it's part of his mind. So anyway, there's a lot of imposter syndrome there. I see she goes, that. <laughs> yeah, she goes, she shows up at this board meeting, you know, never <laughs> having left the farm hardly. Oh, and gosh. yeah, and then thrown into society where there are plenty of women who are upset that Boone just married this farm girl. Yeah. And on top of that, they're going to um, promote this cave as a wedding venue. And so they do a mock wedding and take pictures. I mean, they're married, but, you know, right, huge, right. but it's like, a, yeah, it's marketing like <laughs> campaign about how they met and fell in love. And Boone just cannot come up with the right words when he's being interviewed to describe his love for his wife, because that's hmm. so foreign to him. Yeah. And so, <laughs> which oh is. I know. So there's a lot of questioning that goes on in her mind on, was this a good idea? Was this worth it? <laughs> I should, maybe I should have gone back to the farm. So anyway, um, so I love that. I think that's something that has been in a lot of my books is that fish out of water mm-hmm. um, love it. theme where you have someone that is not comfortable in their situation. And yeah. that's, you know, exactly what we're talking about. God pushing yeah. us to a situation that we didn't see coming we weren't prepared for how do you deal with that and and um how you know and those situations are the ones you learn the most in right. I mean those are the ones that you grow the most rapidly and that's hard but and those are the ones you hate for good too. stories <laughs> it does unless it's real life and then you're like this is not cool god this is I, I never cool. want to be the heroine of one of my books I sure <laughs> don't want to be the one of your books <laughs> oh gosh they've all lived so far barely but they've lived <laughs> they've lived right. oh my goodness oh I love it though I do love it and I love the fish out of water thing 
Um, and I, I like that that's kind of a, a generalized theme through a lot of your books because one, it gives readers a little bit of what to expect. But two, I think we all relate a little bit differently to each story. And so there's pieces that we can pull from each one that we can go, hey, this applies to me in this specific situation. And God can use a fiction story to impact our faith. And that's that's what's so cool about fiction. Right. I agree. So cool. So cool. And the I know we're not talking about proposing mischief, which is book number two, but I mean, you can't go wrong with the whole like arranged business deal marriage type situation in a romance. You just can't. It's like the best trope in the world. It is. You just come back to it because I mean, it's just, it's gold. Which is so funny because I, I mean, I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail or squirrel, but I do that. So let's go there. Let's do it. Let's do it. The whole arranged marriage or getting married before you fall in love trope. If you transpose that into real life, that's a completely different feeling. Like it doesn't sound romantic at all, but when you put it in fiction, suddenly you're like, oh, my heart, I'm swooning. Why is I that? Think, I think that we look at the times and we see how many marriages fail and we yeah. think, well, would it not? I mean, like, why not try it? Like you guys picked each other out. Right, right. Well, there is a television show. Have you seen that? Oh, it's so stupid too, but I, I get suckered into watching it sometimes where like marriage at first sight or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever yes. I've seen, and I've I'm like, seen that. If this, I mean, maybe it's staged. I don't know. They might be paying these people under the table to act this out, but I'm sitting there going the idea of not even seeing your intended until you walk down the aisle. I'm like, I like that. And the marriage, the weddings are epic. Yes. <laughs> And I think that's why they're interesting. My husband's like, why are you watching this trash? And I'm like, because it's so funny. It's like you're getting to sit in on someone's whole dating life, like their whole yes. relationship. Yes. Because it happens after they're married. I know. And then we go and buy books with that. We're like, oh, it's so romantic. They're going to get married <laughs> to somebody they don't know. Oh my gosh. I love it. I'm sorry. I just, I'm, I, I know I write about murder and ghosts and creepy things, but that trope gets me with every romance. I'm like, oh, yeah, buying that book. <laughs> so I have my whole shelf of like arranged marriage books that I still have to read. Because Are your kids concerned? Does that concern your kids? Well, considering we're happily married, I don't think they're too worried. No, I mean, for them. For them. I told my daughter that I already have her husband picked out because it's just safer that way. And she's like, well, who? And I'm like, I'm not telling you yet. <laughs> Oh, she wouldn't let me do it. She would just, she'd run away. <laughs> she'd be one of the heroines in your book who gets in right. arranged marriage and runs away before it happens and goes pickaxes her way through life. Right. On her own. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Regina, this has been a blast and I've had so much fun having you here. So we'll have to do it again on your next release. But for right now, let our readers know how they can find you and where they can find Engaging Deception, which just came out, and then the rest of the series. All right. Well, I'm at www.reginajennings.com. That's easy. Right. I like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, although I'm not good at Instagram because I'm much more of a word person than a picture person. So mm -hmm. anyway, I'm there. So occasionally, you know, I do the occasional post <laughs> occasional pop in on instagram yeah I get that. 
Um, and you can find my books uh, anywhere they sell books online. And then, of course, in Christian bookstores, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. I shouldn't have started naming them because now I'm going to get in trouble for leaving someone out. <laughs> Just pretty much but, anywhere you can buy books, your books yes. are there. In yes. All and on my yes. website, there are links too. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. So everybody go out and buy not just Engaging Deception, but get all three because, and the novella, I always forget the novella, get all four, and then you can just immerse yourself this holiday season in strong women who have imposter syndrome. I mean, that sounds like a great theme. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thanks for being on the show today, Regina. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jamie Jo, for having me. Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.